morning, Brinesburg. It is good to see you this morning, and I hope that you've had a great week, and I hope that you have come this morning prepared to worship our risen King, Jesus. And that's why we're here. That is our sole purpose for joining together, is that he might be lifted up and glorified today. For those of you that are joining us through television or Facebook Live, I am Brother Brad Walker. I am the pastor here at Brinesburg Baptist Church, and we are so glad to have you with us. And for those of you uh, joining us through Facebook, uh, let us know there in the comments section that you with us today. If there's a way that we could pray for you or reach out to you, uh, let us know that there. And we've got folks that are manning that and uh, looking at those comments, and we'd love to reach out to you today. And so glad that you have joined us. For those of you, this may be your first opportunity to be with us here in worship today. We'd like to welcome you as well. And uh, you'll see that there is a little card there in the pew in front of you. And if you'll take that out and fill it out and place it in the offering plate that is just right outside those double doors uh, in the foyer, we'd appreciate that. Helps us know of your attendance, but more important to us, how we can minister to you and to your family. And we are so very glad to have you with us today. Uh, this morning, we do have uh, two cards of thanks. Uh, the first one is from the Manley family. It says, to our beloved church family, there aren't enough words to convey our heartfelt thanks for you and your love and support in our time of sorrow. We love you all and thank you for your presence, cards, food, and most of all, your prayers. And that's from the Manley family. And we continue uh, to pray for them. And then the other is from my family. And on behalf of, uh, of our family and the home going of my mom, uh, and just saying to our church family, thank you all uh, for the uh, white roses, but more for the calls, the texts, the visits, and the prayers. We're blessed to call you our church family, and that is from the Walker family, and we appreciate that so much. And as I mentioned uh, last Sunday night when I was able to, didn't preach, but I was able to be up here, uh, we do thank you so much for your uh, constant concern and your reaching out to us. And uh, our church family has gone through a difficult season here over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we have a lot of families that are hurting deeply, and uh, I know that we have uh, felt the love in our family from you, and I know that you've reached out to these other families as well, and uh, just uh, what a blessing it is to be a part of such a loving church family that shows that love in such tangible ways, and we so much appreciate that. I uh, do know that we have a lot of announcements, a lot going on. Uh, again, this week, be in prayer for uh, Robin and, and the kids and I as we're going to be going to the Southern Baptist Convention down in Nashville. Uh, we'll be leaving this afternoon and this evening, and so uh, I'll be here to preach tonight, but we'll be there uh, throughout the week, and so be in prayer, uh, not only for our safe travels, but there's a lot going on in our convention right now, and most importantly, we want to be able to lift up the name of Jesus and make him known. That's what it's all about. That's why we as sister churches have joined together in a cooperative way, that we might do missions and ministry better together than we can do apart, and that's what we want it to be about, and so pray that that would be the focus of this week of meetings. Um, also this morning, uh, there is a need. Uh, Pastor Pedro has a need um, in his ministry down in Brazil. And if you'd like to know how you can help with that, uh, just meet us down uh, here briefly right after the service. And uh, we'll let you know how you can help uh, in, in that need uh, right after the service this morning. But uh, I'll announce that again at the end of the service. But uh, if you can help in any way, we'd appreciate you meeting us down front right after the service this morning. Also, important business meeting tonight. have a lot of different things that are going to be brought up after the worship service this evening. Um, but one of the most important is that we're going to be putting in denomination the names of men who we might list on our August deacon ballot. And so we'd love for you to be in prayer for that today, of two men that you can place in a, into nomination this evening and uh, be in prayer for, for who they might be. And then we'll be going to them over the next couple of months and asking them to pray about their names being placed in the nomination 
and, uh, and that's an important part of that process in our deacon ministry selection, and so uh, we appreciate you being prayerful about that today as well. Uh, we do have an, another important choir rehearsal uh, this evening as we get ready for uh, our, our Celebrate America, uh, and so we want you to be part of that, and uh, that'll be at 4.30 this afternoon, so all choir members, uh, please be present for that this evening. Um, also, Vacation Bible School, if you have not yet seen, we've got a prayer board out in the foyer, and we'd love for you to grab uh, one of those prayers off of the prayer board for a specific need in ba Vacation Bible School, and to begin to pray for that. And as I mentioned already, um, as we would pray for revival, we pray for Vacation Bible School. We want to see hearts and lives changed. We want to see children move uh, from, from spiritual death to spiritual life. And so uh, the only way that takes place is when we're in prayer and asking the Holy Spirit to move as only he can. And so help us with that. Uh, if you've got kids, grandkids, neighbors that you're going to be bringing, uh, get them registered at brinesburgbaptist.org. Uh, you'll see the, the, the spot there on our website to click on, and, and you can get right in there and, and very quickly register, register them. And also, if, if you're working, uh, we do have a meeting on Tuesday night, and please be at that meeting at 6 o'clock. Uh, right here in the sanctuary is that is a very important meeting as we get some of our last minute details in order and we appreciate all of our workers in that effort and so uh, a lot of other things going on make sure that you do read in your bulletin to see all of those that pertain to you again we do have many who uh, meet our prayers again as i mentioned uh, many who are experiencing the the loss of loved ones and we pray for them and, and the, just the comfort that only the lord can bring uh, but also folks that have just undergone surgeries looking towards surgeries in the next week and we pray for them but most importantly, we pray for the lost, and we pray for those opportunities to be a bold witness as the Lord gives us opportunity, and that as we witness, as we do what the Lord's called us to do, that the Holy Spirit would do the work that only He can do, and stir hearts, help them to recognize their sin and their need uh, for a Savior, and that we pray that they might come to know Jesus, and that that might even happen this morning, that we might see salvation in this place today. And so with those things in mind, let's go to the, to the Lord in prayer together this morning. Lord, Heavenly Father, we are so very thankful for the opportunity to come and just spend time in your presence. Lord, this is not a, a, about the person to our left or to our, to our right or in front or behind, but this is about the audience of one, you and you alone, the Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, every song that we sing is for your honor and your glory. Every word that is spoken is for you. Every prayer that is offered up is that you might hear. The word that is spoken is... is is that you might speak to us. And so, Lord, this morning, stir hearts. Lord, we bring a lot of baggage into this place, a lot of heavy hearts, a lot of needs, and we just place them down at the foot of the cross and help us to trust you enough to leave them there and to trust you to take care of our every need. Help us to lean heavy on you today and recognize as we leave this place today that we have truly met with you. But I pray if there's even one today who does not yet know you as Savior and Lord, that today would be the day of salvation for them. For it's in your holy, righteous, and precious name that we pray. Amen. When the music fades, all is swept away, and I simply
Come to this time in our service, we're able to spend some time here at the altar and uh, just to lift up our needs. And I know that uh, even my family, we're experiencing a heavy heart. And we come into this place, and, and it's sometimes hard for us to focus. So at the beginning of this time together, not just at the end, but at the beginning, let's, let's lay down whatever that burden may be. Let's just allow the Lord to speak to our hearts as only he can. And so this morning, with every head bowed, with all eyes closed, the altar is open this morning. Come, let's pray together. Just Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to you this morning, Lord, we come to you with humbled hearts as we've spoken of the loss of loved ones that we've had in our church, Lord, our church family. Lord, we just lift them up to you, Lord. We just ask for your comfort and your strength, Lord, to just see them through these days, Lord, and just know that one day we will see them again, Lord. And uh, Lord, just... Uh, help us here in our church as we have many activities that are starting up again. Lord, we just pray over our vacation Bible school, our camps, uh, many activities are going to follow. Lord, and we're thankful for that. After the year we've had, Lord, uh, we just uh, give you all the glory and all the praise for those things that have turned around this last year. Lord, that we are able to, to go out and to reach uh, to these little ones and just to help them, Lord, and uh, through vacation Bible school. Lord, we just uh, pray that even if one is saved, Lord, it's worth it all. Lord, that we just lift that one up to you. Uh, but I know there may be many more. And uh, we just uh, give you all the honor and all the glory for that, Lord. Lord, just continue to be with our leaders here. Thankful for uh, music, our choir that we've got back, Lord. Uh, Brother Rockney. <clears throat> Lord, we just uh, 
ask that you be with all them. Miss Hannah, she plays her piano for us, Lord. We're just glad to have all these things back, Lord. And uh, Lord, we just continue to lift up Brother Brad, his family, Lord, as he brings forth the message, Lord, that you would want us to hear. So we just ask today, Lord, that you just open our hearts and our minds, Lord, uh, just that we may hear what you have uh, to tell us today, Lord, and we may take it and use it, use it in our lives, Lord, whether it be with our kids, our students. Uh, just pray for those that are out of school, that while they're with their friends, they pass that word on, Lord, to those, and that we as adults may take it into our workplace, Lord, and just help those with that need, Lord, that may be on their heart, Lord, just uh, to speak for you, Lord, whatever it may be that they need to hear, Lord, just uh, give us a good day here at church. Uh, those that are going to be traveling, Lord, after the service, just ask that you protect and watch over them. Just uh, welcome in many visitors that are here today, Lord, that uh, we just want to make them feel at home, Lord, just as family. And uh, if they have a need that they would come to us that we could help them with. Lord, most of all, we just ask that uh, you just help us to help those that are lost, Lord. Just uh, give us the words to say, Lord, that, that may lead them to you before it's everlasting too late. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Aren't we thankful that we have Christ, the solid rock? Because as that song says, all of the ground is sinking sand. Let's stand together and firm our faith that. Come on. The solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness.
going to sing a song this morning. Um, it's called God of All My Days. And it's about no matter the highs and lows in our, in our walk with Jesus, um, that God is always with us and he always has promised us that he will be. That's what this song's about. I came to you with my heart in pieces and found a God with healing in his hands. I turned to you, put everything behind me and found a God who makes all things new. I look to you, drowning in my questions found the God who holds all wisdom and I trusted you and stepped out on the oceans you caught my hand among the waves cause you're the God of all my days each step I take you make way and I from you, wandered in the shadows, and found a God who relentlessly pursues. I hid from you, haunted by my failure, and found a God whose grace still covers me. I fell on you when I was at my weakest, and found the God the lifter of my head and i worship you and felt you right beside me you're the reason that i sing because you're the god of all my days each step i take you make a way and i will Searching, God, you are my answers. In my blindness, God, you are my vision. In my bondage, God, you are my freedom. In my weakness, God, you are my power. You're the reason that I sing, because you're the God of all my days. Each step I take
Amen. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Hannah. Aren't we blessed with music here at Brinesburg? With the choir, with Brother Rockney leading us, with instrumentalists, with folks that bring special music. What a blessing, and uh, I, I surely needed that this morning. I have uh, missed being up here preaching, but also just the opportunity uh, to worship with my church family over the last couple of weeks. And again, I can't tell you how much we appreciate uh, the love that you have shown us, um, we are truly, truly blessed to be able to call Brinesburg our family. And uh, we, we have truly felt uh, that through the, the last couple of weeks as you have just showered us with love and concern. And uh, I know you've been praying for me as I get up here to preach. And uh, so I haven't been able to preach for a couple of weeks, but I've narrowed it down. And I don't think we're going to be here more than a couple hours. So uh, turn with me in, in your Bibles. That's not, I'm not kidding. Uh, Revelation chapter 16, Revelation chapter 16, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9 as we enter back into this study, and as we look at final judgment begins. As you turn there in your Bibles, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, we have truly experienced your presence this morning. Lord, as we have lifted up our voices, lifted up our hearts in worship, Lord. Lord, as we have lifted up prayers and we have felt that you have heard us because, Lord, you have promised us that you do and that you hear those prayers and, that, Lord, you respond to that. Lord, you, you answer. Lord, you change situations and circumstances. Lord, you change our hearts, and we thank you for that. And now, Lord, as we have the blessing of opening up your word and allowing you to teach us this morning through your Holy Spirit, Lord, we, we pray that you would just reveal in this passage what we need to hear, the warnings that some need to hear, Lord, the encouragement that some need to hear, the instruction that some need to hear. And Lord, again, I, I pray that if there's even one here today that doesn't yet know you as Savior and Lord, that they would hear this message today as that warning, but also as that invitation that today is the day of salvation. Today, that you are still offering mercy and grace. You're still offering that, that salvation to us today, but that day will not last forever. There will come a day when it will be too late. So, Lord, help us today to hear. Help us today to be obedient. Lord, speak through your word to us. I know that I'm a very weak vessel. Lord, hide me behind the cross that only you would be seen, only you would be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There is no denying the fact here that the book of Revelation is a book of judgment. It was written to a people in the first century who were smiting under the angry whip of Roman persecution. And it was given to them to let them know that God has a plan for the judgment of all those who have rejected him. And while there are passages, yes, throughout the book of Revelation that allow us to rejoice, it is for the most part a chronicle of God's final judgment of sin 
sinners and Satan. Revelation is a series of three judgments which are executed in seven stages each. So we see seven seal judgments. We then see the seven trumpet judgments and finally the seven bowl judgments. And so as the judgments progress, the intensity, uh, the, the severity of the judgments increase. And so we have arrived this morning at the final set of judgments. You'll remember back in Revelation chapter 15 verse 7, it shows one of the four beasts giving the seven angels seven bowls. It says that are full of the wrath of God. And again, as a reminder, that word full means to swell, and, and that is an image of a dam under pressure nearing its bursting point. And th- that's a good description here of the wrath of God. It, is, it has swelled to the place of bursting. Ever since Adam, sin, and Eden, the wrath of God against sin and sinners has been building. Now, the grace and the mercy of God, they have served here as a powerful dam which has held that wrath in check. In the judgments here of Revelation, though, the dam of God's wrath bursts and a Christ-rejecting world is swept away in the tsunami wave of judgment that is issuing forth. See, up to this point, God has always tempered his wrath. God has been faithful to honor the request of Habakkuk and Habakkuk 3.2, the prophet praying, in wrath, remember mercy. But now the time for judgment has come. And there will be no mercy any longer. The wrath of God is about to be poured out. And God is preparing to commence his final judgment upon this earth. In Revelation 14.10, John writes, The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And so Brinesburg, in, in these verses, the world is about to experience the undiluted wrath of an offended God. In verse 1, God issues the command for the angels to begin pouring out the bowls filled with his wrath upon the earth. Here, final judgment begins. Please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Revelation 16, begin with me there in verse 1, and we'll go through verse 9 this morning. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and he poured out his vial upon the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink. For they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous art thy judgments. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun. And power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat. And they blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not. To give him glory. You may be seated. 
I want you to see four things this morning. I want you to begin to see plagues in the sinners. Look at verse 2. We see sores here. And when the first bowl is poured out, all those, all those who have worshipped the beast and have received that mark are now afflicted with sores in their bodies. The word sore literally means an ulcer. And so it has the idea here of open, running, ulcerated places upon the skin. It probably refers to to oozing boils. These are, this is an awesome, uh, an awful plague. These sores are called noisome. It means to, uh, to be in bad in nature, to be troublesome. Uh, it also describes something grievous. The word refers to, to something annoying and, and painful or bad. These, these words reveal that these sores will be extremely painful, festering and, and incurable. And no doubt, the greatest medical minds of that day, the greatest doctors, the greatest researchers, just as they did with, with the COVID-19 vaccine, will go to work and they, they're going to think that they can find a cure, but no cure will be found. No ointment, no medication will be found to cure this awful, awful plague. And so we see, first of all, sores are a sign. Sores are a sign. A sore on the outside is a sign of rottenness on the inside. And God is clearly revealing the condition of these lost sinners. He is putting on display the, the absolute corruption of their hearts through the corruption now of their bodies. These people have rejected God and His Christ at every turn. They have been given every opportunity to turn to Christ. And they have rejected Him. And so now they must face Him in judgment. But also see that sores are a reminder. These festering ulcers bring to mind the ancient plagues in Egypt. The sixth of those plagues you might remember are there in Exodus chapter 9 verses 8 through 12. And that plague, the people of Egypt suffered from those incurable, painful boils that were covering their bodies. This seems to be the same kind of physical problem that Job had in Job 2.7 when we're told, So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job and sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. And so they are a reminder, but also sores are an identifier. You remember that just as they were in ancient Egypt, these boils only afflict here the enemies of God, not the saints of God. And so those who are trusting the Lord are spared this judgment. Thus it becomes an identifier of persons. But secondly, we see in verse 3, plagues in the sea. We see plagues in the sea. We, we see here the smell of death. When this second bowl is poured out, the waters of the, of the world's oceans and seas are corrupted. And they become as putrid, stinking blood, like that of a corpse. Back in Revelation chapter 8, verses 8 through 9, when the second trumpet judgment was administered, we're told that one-third of the ocean was affected here. But here we're told that this disaster will be on a worldwide scale. When this plague is poured out, every creature in the sea will die. The sea will become a vast cemetery. Beachgoers will no longer uh, be there. The beaches will now reek with the stench of death. Instead of being crowded with, with vacationers, the world's Beaches will be choked with the rotting carcasses of billions of dead sea creatures. And so this kind of plague 
has been seen only in the miniature in, in our world today as well. Occasionally something called the red tide will occur. And sometimes, some of you I know have had vacations ruined by the red tide because when it is there, it is awful. Uh, John Phillips vividly describes this phenomenon in his commentary on the book of Revelation. And he says, from time to time off the coast, a phenomenon known as the red tide occurs. And this, these red tides kill millions of fish and poison those who eat contaminated shellfish. And he says, in 1949, one of these red tides hit the coast of Florida. First the water turned yellow, but by midsummer it was a thick and gooey mess with countless billions of tiny one-celled organisms. Sixty million windrows of stinking fish fouled the beaches. Much marine life was wiped out. Even bait used by fishermen died on the hook. Eventually the red tide subsided, only to appear again the following year. Eating fish contaminated by the tide produced severe symptoms caused by the potent nerve poison, just a few grams of which distributed of right could easily kill everyone in the world. An unchecked population explosion of these toxic one-celled organisms would kill all the fish in the sea. So think about that. Only when this occurs, the entire world is going to be affected. This isn't going to just be off the coast of, uh, of Florida or off the coast of, of the American uh, beaches, but this will be on a worldwide scale. When you consider the fact that 70%, 70% of the surface of this planet is covered in oceans, you can see how great a plague that this will truly be. We also see an unimaginable famine here. An unimaginable famine. Imagine the impact that this will have on, this, on the environment of this world. Most of the rainfall that the earth receives comes from the moisture that is evaporated off of the oceans of this world. No evaporation means eventually diminished rainfalls upon the earth. And this will cause a drought of worldwide proportions. Consider the fact that the world is largely dependent upon the ocean for its food supply as well. There are countless millions of people who receive the abundance of their food supply from the oceans of this world. And without that source of food, millions if not billions will starve to death. Not only will food supplies be dramatically affected, but so will commerce, so will, will shipping. The social economic impact of this plague will devastate this earth. But also we see the devastating hand of God here. We see the devastating hand of God. One by one, God is tearing down all the things that men have taken for granted. First, their health is destroyed. And then the oceans are destroyed. The coastal regions of, of every nation of this world will become abandoned wastelands as the oceans are transformed into vast seas of death. But thirdly, look with me at verses 4 through 7. And we see plagues in the streams. Plagues in the streams. We see thirst worldwide. When this third bowl is poured out, the fresh water sources of this world are stricken. Again, we saw this in Revelation 8, 10 through 11, when one-third of the world's fresh water supply was poisoned. When, when a comet or a meteor or some heavenly body crashed into them. But here, they are turned to blood. And by the time this plague is poured out on the earth, the world has become absolutely bloodthirsty. You'll remember that millions of martyrs have been slain by the Antichrist 
and by his forces. Millions of saints have had their blood shed by the enemies of God. And, and he honors now their desire for blood by giving them blood to drink. When Jesus was here, you'll remember his first miracle was to turn the water into wine. Now that miracle was designed that he might draw men and women, boys and girls, to himself. But here he turns the water into blood to remind men of him. And one by one, the Lord is removing every prop, every comfort, everything that mankind leans on for support and takes for granted. He is ripping them away. But we also see thirst remembered again. This plague reminds us of that first of the seven plagues in Egypt. There in Exodus chapter 7, verses 20 through 24, we remember that the fresh waters in the land of Egypt were turned to blood. And men searched in, in vain for water to quench their thirst. Now we are reminded once again of that plague and of that judgment. But then we see thirst brings death. In this judgment, every source of fresh water in the world is turned to blood. Whether it be a spring or a well or a municipal water supply, the world's fresh water will be taken away. We're told that our bodies can survive several weeks without food, but we can only go about three days without fresh water. Imagine a world with no water. You turn on the faucet expecting cool, fresh, life-giving water to come out of that faucet and instead you receive putrid foul deadly blood no doubt death from disease and thirst will will skyrocket during these horrible evil days when the plague comes the angels praise God for his wisdom in sending this judgment the world is merely reaping what it has sown perhaps you remember Paul teaching us the law of the harvest there in Galatians chapter 6 verses 7 through 9 and the law of the harvest is, is not simply that we reap what we sow, but that we reap far greater than we sow. And so when you sow a, a thought, you reap an action. And when you sow an action, you reap a habit. And when you sow a habit, you reap a lifestyle. And when you sow a lifestyle, you reap a destiny. And that's what we see here as well, that, that what they have sown, they, they reap in a much greater way. The world has been guilty of murdering God's people and God's preachers, and they are given blood now to drink in return. They are reaping what they have sown. Another angel uh, uh, declares the righteous nature of God's judgment. Our human minds, I don't believe, can, can quite comprehend the judgment in these verses. It's, it's hard for us. We, we shrink back when, when we think of the horrors that are being described here. We recoil when we think about people having to suffer like people will suffer during this tribulation period. And we might even feel that there must be a better way. But one day, when we are home in glory and our minds have been transformed and glorified, we will see things through God's perspective. And then we will understand just how hateful and horrible that sin truly, truly is. We will feel as God feels. We will think as he thinks. And we will understand. In fact, I'm 100% certain that our voices will cry out, Amen, along with others, as he judges the world that has denied him and that has defiled his creation. We will understand that the time for judgment has come. 
And we will know that the only thing that has held judgment off for this long has been the pure grace and mercy of a long-suffering and loving God. When judgment comes, we can rest assured that God will judge the right individuals in the right amounts and in the right way. He can do nothing but the right thing. Remember back in Genesis chapter 18, verse 25. That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. We can trust him to judge rightly. But then fourthly and lastly, I want you to look with me at verses 8 through 9. And we see plagues in the sun. Notice first the sun's heat. The fourth plague touches the sun. Its heat is allowed to burn the bodies of men. He uses that word uh, scorched, meaning to be burned with heat, to be tortured with intense heat. And by some means, God is going to allow the heat of the sun to, e- to either be intensified or, or to be allow- allowed to, to be greater in some way upon the bodies of men so that they will be burned. And so we see the, the, the sun's judgment here. We see the sun's judgment. This universe is an amazing place. God created everything and placed it exactly where it needed to be. Many of you, I'm sure, are aware that the sun is some 93 million miles away from the earth. It sits at exactly the precise distance to allow life to exist and flourish on this planet and on this planet alone. It is the sun that is just the right distance. If the sun were any closer, we would be burned up. If it were any further away, we would freeze to death. God placed it exactly where it needed to be. The sun is a giant nuclear reactor. It is so large that we're told that 1.3 million of our Earths could, could fit inside the sun. It's hot too, did you know that? It's hot. The surface of the sun is somewhere around 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. If that heat were to hit this earth full force, this planet would burn up instantly. Surrounding the earth is a band of radiation called the magnosphere. And that, that radiation band filters out the rays of the sun, allowing exactly the right amount of heat and exactly the right amount of light to enter in to our atmosphere. During this plague, though, during this plague, God will either turn up the heat of the sun or he will simply allow more of its heat to enter this earth's atmosphere. And as a result, men will experience intense burns upon their bodies. I wonder, have any of you ever had a sunburn? Anybody ever had a sunburn? Anybody ever say, Mom, I don't need sunscreen? And then you had to go through the aloe treatments all over you. Because you didn't wear a shirt, you didn't put on the sunscreen, you didn't wear a hat. And so you get burned, you get that sunburn, and it hurts. My nephew went to, to Florida over spring break, and, and he sent back some pictures, and he looked like a lobster. And I think he was miserable for, miserable for two or three days because he was sunburned. That, that, that pain, that nagging pain of a sunburn, you can't get comfortable anywhere. You can't lay down because you touch it, and it just hurts. Imagine that. But imagine having that pain intensified 
many, 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 many times over. Imagine the agony that will result from a plague where our bodies are scorched by the sun. That is what these sinners will experience. These unrepentant sinners who have, who have pointed their, their finger in the face of God and defied him. This is what they will experience. But also the sun will bring death. Another of mankind's crutches is kicked out from under him. You know, from the dawn of time, the sun has risen in the morning and the sun has sat in the evening. It has yielded life-giving, dependent heat and light for thousands of years. The sun has always brought light and life. But on this day, mankind will awaken to a sun that will blaze down in flaming heat. And it will scorch their bodies, but it will be nothing compared to the pain that they will feel when they are cast into the fires of hell. This is just a warning of something that's far more terrible and far more final. We read the Bible and we understand that these plagues are God's judgment on sinners who refuse to come to him for salvation. And so these plagues are designed to judge those who have defied a holy God at every turn. And, and we read it and we understand the source and, and we understand the solution. But what, what strikes me as amazing is the fact that these people, these people understand what's happening as well. They understand that God is behind these plagues. And instead of repenting in the face of wrath, they've come to the place where they stand in continued defiance of him and of his will. The Bible tells us in verse 9 that they blaspheme the name of God. That word means to revile, to speak evil against. They shake their puny fists towards the God of all creation and revile his holy name. They have the audacity to blame him for their troubles and for their suffering. And of course, that's, that's human nature. That, that's what we've done since the dawn of time as well. Even in, in Eden, Adam and Eve sought to blame their problems on others. Adam blamed Eve and Eve blamed the devil. They both looked for a way to deflect any blame falling upon themselves. But guess what? That trend continues today, doesn't it? The, black, the backslidden child of God who stops going to church blames it on the preacher or the Sunday school teacher or the deacon. The adulterer blames their spouse for making them cheat. The dishonest employee blames the boss for simply not paying them enough. The criminal blames the police for arresting them. The cheating student blames the teacher for the suspension from school. Everybody blames everybody else for their problems. But even here, even under judgment, men will blame God for what they are suffering. But the problem is not with God. The problem is clearly stated in verse 9. And they repented not to give him glory. They refused to repent of their sins and give God the glory that he is due. And they are paying a heavy price for their choice. They have no one to blame but themselves. And this morning, let me tell you something. If you fool around and you end up going to hell, you will have no one to blame but yourself. Because you've got a lot of folks that are praying for you right now. You've got a lot of folks that want you to come to know Jesus. You've got a preacher right here begging you 
begging you to recognize your sin and repent of it and come to Christ, just as I had to do. I, I am not perfect, and I was not perfect. Just like you, a sinner who had to be forgiven. And the only reason I'm referred to as a saint is because when God looks at me now, he sees his holy and righteous son, Jesus Christ, who has covered me with his blood. If you end up going to hell, it would be your fault. Because you have rejected the free offer of grace that again this morning is being offered up to you. And so what will your answer be today? Will you blame somebody else? Will you put it off another day? Will you allow the enemy to whisper in your ear and say, hey, not this morning. You, you need to be somewhere this afternoon. You don't want to do that today. There's too many people sitting here. You don't want to do that today. That's what he's saying to you. I know he is. He said it to me too when I was under conviction. There was that spiritual battle going on. I know exactly what you're hearing in your head right now. But the Lord desires for you to have a relationship with him. To not put it off another day. The time for repentance is now. If you are not saved today, you need to be. You need to come to Jesus today. You need to be saved today. If you're carrying a burden for those who are headed to this terrible place called hell, if you are praying for someone that if, if the Lord were to call his church home today, they would be left here for the tribulation. If you're praying for him, for them, the time to come and beg for their salvation at this altar is today. The time to, to cry out on their behalf, to, to intercede on their behalf is today. If you are saved and if you'd like to praise him for delivering your soul from, from death and hell and judgment, today would be the day to thank him for what he has done. Listen to his voice. What is he calling you to do? If the Lord's calling you to make this your church home and to begin to work here with this church family in ministry and missions, today is the day. Will you be obedient? Or like these during the tribulation period, will you shake your fist at God and say, No, I will not come. I will not repent. I will not bow down to you. Or will today be the day that you finally say yes to Jesus? And you experience eternal life for the very first time. Today is the day. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you. And we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your long-suffering because we know it's the reason that you have not yet come. Is that you are giving yet another opportunity like this one right here. For the lost to be saved. For them to repent of sin. And for them to say yes to a relationship with you. Oh, you love us. Oh, the awesome and wondrous love of God that would save us. Lord, I've got some friends today, and I'm praying for them right now, that they would come. I've got some friends that are watching on TV and on Facebook Live, and they, they need to come. They need to bow right where they are. They need to make a phone call. They need to get a hold of us. And they, need to, they need to give their heart and their life to you. I've got some folks here that need to come down this aisle, not, not because walking an aisle saves you, but so that they can ask some questions and so they can have someone to, to answer questions and they can be saved. Lord, today, today can be the day of salvation. Oh, we cry out to you that it might be. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.